0: We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are in this series, the answer is in us, and that answer is Jesus. And last week we talked about cutting the heads off Goliaths, and we talked about those giants in our lives that, that really hit us, that smack us, that we need to destroy and not have made deals with those giants in our lives And this week, we're talking about Jesus on time. Now, some of you are going, wait a second. Three weeks ago or four weeks ago, you talked about Jesus and time. But it's a little different. Before, I talked about Jesus and time. Jesus within the context of time. That he's outside of time. That there's there's a spiritual time, and then there's this time that we live in. But what I'm talking about today isn't that time. It's that Jesus comes right on time. It's when he shows up. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. I love this quote that I I saw from J.H. Howet. I don't have the time. Is that right? Gina, did I pronounce that right? It's French? Come on, you're the English girl, so you should know French, too. Um, All right. I I don't have the time. Such an excuse is usually for a a refuge for small-minded and inefficient people. Each of us has time to do the whole will of God for our lives. How many times have you said, have I said, I don't have time. How many times have we made that statement to our children? How many times have you made that statement to your wife, to your husband, your co-workers? How easily does this flow out of your mouth? Because the reality is, if this is true, which I believe it is, and you keep saying this, then we fall in the category of, or I fall in the category of small-minded. If you look at your life and you see these words that come out regularly, maybe you should check yourself. Jesus on time. Let me read this scripture. It's, It's a rather lengthy scripture. And you guys have all heard this one if you've been around the church long enough, but I want, to, I want to take it a direction this morning, and it's, it's Mark 5, and it says this, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that I may, that, that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had been, had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him and the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even... If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. We're wrapping up here. Here it is. And while he was still speaking... There came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter's dead, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. They came to the house, of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing aloud. And when he had entered, he said to them, "Why uh, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand, said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the story. God, there's a lot there. God, I pray that you would speak to us specifically, individually, that wherever, whatever stage of life we are in, God, that your Holy Spirit, I believe, can speak to each one of us. God, I thank you for this time, for this church, and these men and women this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. What is the story about? We've heard the story a million times, and there are several things that you've heard preached on this. You know, we hear it's about Jesus and the miraculous. It's about Jairus' daughter, that that Jesus went and this man asked of him, and he healed his daughter. Jesus tells us in this scripture, don't be afraid. So I've heard great messages about not fearing in this. Just have faith. That's always a good one. If you just have a little bit of faith, watch what God might do. You know, and he turns and he looks to this woman and this woman has this amazing faith and Jesus healing. All of these are topics and subjects that have been preached around this, this story in the context of this story. But as I was reading it the other day, I, 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 there's something that just looked different to me. Now you may have heard it before and it may have been preached to you before and someone else probably has preached this. But it's something that's grabbed a hold of me as we're going through this series talking about Jesus in us. The answer is Jesus in us. And, and this is really what he said is with regards to Jesus on time. Let me show you number one. Jesus had a to-do list. Have you ever thought about that? How many of you guys have to-do lists? How many of you, oh, yeah, I knew you did. You, you know, you got that one, two, three, ten, you know, all the way down. I know 10 doesn't come out after three. I was just skipping the other so we get through. But thank you. I saw some faces out there. They're going, does he not know how to count? Um, but there's, you know, you have the list and you cross it out. But how many of you know that Jesus had this to do list? Jesus had a to do list. How do I know that? Because the Bible says this He came to fulfill the law, He came to call sinners, He came to serve and give His life, He came to proclaim the good news, to seek the lost. To, to do the Father's will, to, to, to give an abundant life. He came for all these reasons. Very clearly we see in scriptures that that's why Jesus came. He had his to-do list. And in the story, Jesus had a to-do list. We see in the beginning in 22 through 23, the, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her so she may be well and live. The to-do list was this, that Jesus came to this earth to restore those who were dying, spiritually, and he did it in the natural. The to-do list is as Jesus would go from town to town. He would lay hands on people and they'd get healed. And they knew this of him, therefore, that is why this leader came to him and talked about his daughter. Jesus had His list. Now, I don't know if he checked it off when he went by and go, okay, Father, I did that one. Okay, Father, I did that. I I don't know how it worked with him. But you and I have a to do list. We know this specifically because Psalm 139 says this 16, Your eyes saw my unformed body, and, and in your book were written every one of them, the days, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. What does that mean? that God laid out our lives. Each step that we take, before any of them came to be, he had a plan for us. He had a to-do list for you and I. Now, I don't want you to get caught up in this do and don't and didn't and all that stuff. It's, it's not this, if I if I miss the to-do list, I get an F on the grade and, and Jesus is not happy. No, but there's things that you were created for. I'll give you an example. Um, this would be arguable for many, but I believe God created me to play hockey. This role over here may disagree with that. Thank you, Gina, for the token laugh. Um, th- that I, the guys that I play with hockey over, Steve and, and Mark. But, but I believe I was created to do this. I believe I was created to be with this woman. I don't want to use the words on that one. That would be, that'd be trouble. I was created to be with her you're the only one who got that. Thank you. Um, There's certain things that God has created each one of us to do, and we each have that list. Number one, when we look at the basic of what God has created us to, is to love Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. To love others as yourself, and to make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples teaching people to obey the commands that God has given us. There are things that you and I have been called to do in life. Not to mention our jobs. Not to mention our kids. Not to mention our marriage. Not to mention being single. There's things to do. Not to mention a house. Not to mention the rest of your life. All of us have these things that we're called to-do. C.S. Lewis said this about our to-do list. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. Those who understood eternity did the most here. Jesus said this about our to-do lists, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added under you. What he's saying is this. You got your list of things you got to do. Got to get engaged yesterday. You know, I got to do this. Got, that's not a gotta. You know, that's not a gotta. But you, you do, although when you love someone, you've got to do it. So that's okay. It's a gotta do. So, you know, I got to do all these things. And, 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 but, but Jesus says this, which I know about this man, that he sought the kingdom of God before he went and did this. And God says in everything that you do, the first thing you do is seek me on what I have you. There's a to-do list, but number two is this. When we look at this story, there's always a crowd, and there's always a nobody. All of us go through life, and we have our list of things to do. But here's the thing. There's always a crowd, and there's always a nobody. It says this in verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And then it says, and there was a woman. Now, the, the interesting thing is you look historically at what was going on. The city that he was traveling in w- what would have been tight in the wall. He said, it says, the theologians believe that there were, could have been thousands that were literally following Jesus. I mean, these were big crowds. If you're raising the dead, if you're healing the sick, if you're multiplying bread, there's going to be a lot of people following you. And there's these great crowds that are following Jesus. And when we go through life, here's the deal. They may not be great crowds, but there are always crowds of people that are following, that are with you, that are around you, that are in, that are out, that are doing things. And there's always the nobody. See, the crowd will distract you. The crowd will distract you and hide you from what you're called to do. Things around you, people around you, when we get into these places, will pull you into places that you were never supposed to be. The crowd will keep you right on task to your to-do list. But That's not necessarily what Jesus has. It says, but this, the Bible says this. It says, in the crowd, there was a woman. In, In this crowd of people, there was a woman. Who was she? I did all this research, and I'm like, who is this woman? Because it only speaks of her as this woman. Not really important. No name, no history. It just says this woman. And I'm digging and I'm looking, I'm like, who who is this woman that is in the Bible for history? She was a nobody in the crowd. Look, doesn't she realize and doesn't she understand who Jesus is? Didn't she understand Jesus had a schedule to keep, yet she wanted to distract him? Look, didn't she understand how important Jesus was? Look, there's crowds of people and Jairus' daughter is dying. And if Jesus doesn't get there, they're out of luck. And they're they're heading to Jairus's house, and it's an important time because someone is dying. Yet there's this woman, this nobody in the crowd, who's pulling on Jesus' cloak, his garment. She's a nobody in the crowd. Who was she? She was the least of these. She's your coworker. She's your neighbor. She's the addict that, that I saw across the street from my house, I don't know, six months ago, smoking crack. She, she's the homeless person that, that you walk by every single day. She's the guy that helps you at Taco Bell if you were to eat at Taco Bell, like said people in, the, in my house. She's the lady at the cleaners that when the mask mandate lifted and I wasn't wearing my mask. i told the story and someone said, where's your mask? I yelled back that I'm a doctor and these things don't really work. (laughs) So not only did the pastor yell back at someone, he lied to the person. She's the one at the pokey place that I go to three times a week whose mother is going to die in two weeks and and, and, um, I'm getting my ahi tuna talking to going what's going on in your life? She's the man or woman you've walked by a hundred times and never said a word to. She's the nobody. She's the least of these. The Bible says this in Matthew 25, 40, about the least of these. And the king answered them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brother, you did to me. As you've done to you know one of one of these people, you've done to Jesus. As you've engaged someone here, you've engaged Jesus. As you've taken the time to encounter someone that is the least of these, you've encountered Jesus. She was the least of these. For some of us, she's your son or your daughter. Wife, or your husband. For some of us, I, I, I'm, I'm always. I was talking with uh, a, a, a young guy today, Well, not that young, but his family, or today, this week, and he was telling me he, he's completely estranged from his family, and 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 it, it, he there's no relationship, and it just broke my heart. Now I don't know what happened. He wouldn't give all the details. I don't know what happened. On Either side, but the least of these. For some of us, you can, let me tell you this: you could live in the same house with your son, daughter, or wife, or husband, and they could still be the least of these. And in fact, it's one of the reasons we see divorce in America. It's one of the reasons that our kids do what they do because in our own homes they become the least of these. We don't even see them. Number three. There's always a crowd, but has the one heard of you? In in, in verse 25, it says this. She had heard the reports about Jesus. There's a huge crowd. There's Jesus going to heal Jairus' daughter. There's this least of these, nobody, this woman sitting in the crowd. The Bible says this in verse 25. She had heard the reports about Jesus. My question for me, for you, for us as the church, why I'm preaching this topic is this. Has anyone heard of you? I'm not talking about me being a great hockey player, because we know that's not true. Although I did sign four cards from someone who sent them to me last week. But that's another story. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else signed a card. You know, but, uh, you know, I just happened to. Has anyone heard of you? <laughs> More importantly than has anybody heard of you, has anyone heard about you? Have they heard about you? Because what she says in, in, in 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. Look, many people have heard about you, and some of it's not good. <laughs> she would heard the reports about Jesus. This is some of them. Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus healing the official son. Jesus driving out evil spirits. Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus healing the sick and the oppressed. The first miraculous catch of fish. Cleansing men with leprosy. Healing the paralyzed. The paralytic being dropped down the roof, uh, heals a man withering hand, raises a wiz- widow's son from dead, calms the seas, casts out demons, multiplies bread, does all these miracles. What did she heard? She heard about Jesus. She, she heard all this and the-, the importance of that. What means so much about that is this. she heard Jesus, his mercy and grace, and there was something that was happening inside of her when she heard the stories and she heard of his mercy and grace. Why is this so important? Because it gave her hope. She had hope all of a sudden. You remember the story? For 12 years, doctors looked at it and said, there's nothing we can do with you. And she was bleeding and bleeding. Can you imagine? For 12 years, she had spent all of her money trying to get healed. For the first time in her life, she had hope because she heard of what this Jesus can do. See, here's the key. It's the hurt about him that ignited her faith. If she had never heard of him, she would never push through the crowd to see this man. It's because of the miracles that she had seen and heard of that made her think, what about me? Maybe me. And she pushed through the crowd and fought through all these men. They believe it had been mostly men. And fought through the thousands that were there surrounding Jesus just so she could get a piece of him. Has anyone heard of you? Is there anybody that's going, I, I just want a piece of that Jesus in you? more importantly have they heard about you I, I, I love this when I hear these stories and I, I hear them of my wife regularly because of our, our life stage and everything we've gone through she has a group of, of women that have been through difficult times with children from suicide to drug addiction to I mean across the board crazy and, and, and I'll run into someone and I am just talking. I don't remember who it was but the other day and you're like you're Chris Blue's husband I'm like no 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 Chris Blue is my wife. I'm like, I was so humbled. I'm like, I'm used to, you know, she's the she's the one that hangs on the arm and just makes me look good, you know. I know you're much more than that. I had to get, but the, they, the lady had seriously said that. And at first I was like, well, I wasn't offended. But but then I, I started talking to her and she started, I, she's like, i I've, I know her. I've heard of what's going on and what she's doing with these women. And, and there's, there's many of you in the same way. I've, 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 I talk to people and I hear what's going on about what. And this is what's critical for all of you that are the church, that when you call yourself the church, when you know Jesus, you need to be heard of. The People need to know about you so that they have hope, so they have something to look to they can grab a hold of what you have. They haven't heard about you? Really, what are we doing? I was with a, uh, a guy this week who has a family and he's going through a difficult time. Look, I, at the end of the day, because it got a little arduous with him, sorry, I never say that when I meet with you guys, but with him it happened to. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, at the end of the day, all I got like, is Jesus. That's the answer, which is true. But, but this this person was so consumed with their life, and I get it. I get so consumed with my life because I think I'm important. But so consumed with their finances and their family and their and all of this and why would God do this and mad and God and all this stuff. I'm like look, you're so self-absorbed and involved that you're missing the whole point that this life isn't about you and your comfort. This life isn't about you having everything you want. This life isn't about you having the perfect life and and Jesus answering all your requests. This life is about others. And, and, And asked him at the end, has it Has anybody heard about you other than you? I wanted to use the B-I word, but I didn't. Has anybody heard anything other than you do that? Because at the end of the day, all that stuff you're talking about, it's going to be gone. But the hope of Jesus that you carry, you can change life. It's about you. Has anybody heard about you? I, I, I work in this office as, as in my my other job, and, and I'm mindful of the fact that I'm not just there to get a paycheck, although that's been a blessing, but I'm there because God has placed me there so that people could hear about me, not me, Jesus in me. And I watch again, and I watch again, and I watch God open a door and open a door, and then I've talked about this. We hired Juliana, and Juliana, who's our children's church director, works with us also. Now all of a sudden we're tag teaming, and, and there, uh, there's a young lady who, who's a single mom that, that I, I, I've been able to the gospel to when I first met her at the office, and I prayed for her and, and the difficulties. And last week she got baptized. And it's not about me. It's about Jesus in me. But she heard about that Jesus in me, She's also seen me be an idiot. I'm not telling you this is perfection that you walk in, No, Jesus. I'm telling you this. If you'll just focus on that Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of your life. I, again, I go to the hockey. I got three of these hockey guys that are here. And, and I'm sure Steve, the first time you here, probably thinking, this is not the guy that I see when I play hockey with. You're a complete idiot out in the hockey and you actually seem kind of, well, no, you still seem kind of mad, but you're still, you know. <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> life isn't about that, that everything is perfect in line and, and just, you know. They're, they're, but, and I'm not making excuses, but it's this. They need to see Jesus in you at some point, somewhere, somehow. It's the about you that lights the fire of hope in others that don't have it. It's the about you. where Jesus says in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Now, I, I, I want to be real careful because when I say you're the light of the world, Christ in you makes you the light of the world. Not just you being a superstar. Jesus in you makes you the light of the world. And the scripture that I love and talk about all the time, you yourselves are a letter of recommendation." written on the hearts to be known and read by all. You're a live, living epistle that's being read by others. And what are they reading about? Who are they reading in your life? It's the hurt about you that ignites the faith of the least of these. If they don't hear about you, they don't push through the crowd to get to you. And if no one's pushing through the crowd to get to you, then you need to look at your life and say, why? What am I doing? Who has heard about you? The least of these? Those unseen, the hurting, the lost, the fringe, your son, your daughter? Who's heard about you? How do we know they've heard about us? They tug on our garments. How do we know that someone's heard about your life? That the rumors are true, that you're kind, you're gentle, you're gracious, you're a safe place, you're this, you're that, whatever it is. How do we know? Because they're tugging on your garments. We see this in 25 and 27. If I even touch his garments, the least of these, this woman said. I will be made well and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about to the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Now remember, there's thousands of people and the disciples are around him. And and Jesus perceives that his garment is touched. He says, Who touched my garment? How many of us even have the awareness to know that someone's touching it? Most of us walk through life with no idea of who's looking at us. And who's pulling on our garments? I I know this is the point for every man to die. None of us know when or how, but we will all stand before God and give an account. And and I I just, as I was going through this and praying, and I'm like, dear God, how many people have pulled on that garment? And I just said, I got something else to do. I got something better to do. Or, or didn't even hear, didn't even, was so out to lunch that I didn't even, didn't even say, I don't got time for you. I just didn't have any time because I had no perception that anybody was pulling. I don't want to stand before God and give an account for that. Why don't we feel the tug? Because of the crowds, because of your to-do list, because of your self-centeredness, because of your selfishness, because of my blindness, why don't we feel the tug? Why is the tug not more prevalent? Because because I'm sitting in the crowd and the crowd takes me where I think I need to go. The crowd tells me what I want to hear. The crowd tells me what tickles my ears. I take my to-do, to-do list and I'm so focused on what I have to do that I don't feel the tug of anything in my life. I'm so self-centered and so about myself. I'm blind to the fact that I walk by. The the same hurting broken person every single day. Oh god, have mercy. I don't want to be that man. That, let me take it to more practical cuz that's so, you know, I just whoa, you know, I don't want to be the dad that walks by his children and doesn't see them. I know my kids have felt that before. I'm sorry. I don't want to be the husband that ever walks by this woman and doesn't see her. I know I have. I don't want to be the pastor that's walked by you. And, and I was with Juliana. She came for the the engagement yesterday and uh, she was laughing and joking with me because I am a little ADD and kind of all over. And she says, and my wife confirmed with her, um, and they, they're talking about how, you know, I'll be talking to her or talking to someone, and then all of a sudden, you know, a bird flies by and I'm gone. Or someone walks by and I'm like gone. Or my, my curiosity to know what every conversation around me is, is happening. <laughs> it, 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 but I don't want to be that man. I, I want to look at you in the eyes and, and feel what you feel because you know what? That's what Jesus did with this woman. He said, it says he perceived that someone had touched him. He could feel life leaving him and going into her. I want to be in touch with Jesus in such a way that I can feel life leaving me and going into someone and changing them. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me. That's what God's called Christians to do. That's who He's called you and I to be. Not just come twice a month, not just tip God, not in my favorite lines, you know that. Not just come once in a while, not just say all the Christianese, but to be who God has called you to be. And to touch those God has called you to touch. How does Jesus feel the tug in His garments? How does He feel that? He, he has a relationship with the Father. I, you know, I, I and the Father are one. Come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Therefore, Jesus answers, saying, to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself unless he's, it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son of Man in like manner. He has this relationship with the father that's 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 not just symbiotic, but but it's this 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 relationship that he feels what the father feels and moves when this father says to move, so much so that he's going to. Take this daughter, Jairus' daughter, and heal her so much so that there's thousands of people surrounding him that, that he goes, stop right now. Someone just touched me. In the midst of your most important to-do list that you say, stop, I have enough time. I have enough time to touch someone's life. In the middle of the most important thing that you think is going on, and God says, stop for a moment, you're able to stop and touch someone's life and bring him the hope of Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. Why? Because he was connected to the Father. Huh, you ever seen this? Word, pray, each day. The reason that Jesus stopped in a moment and it was nothing to him, because he was in communication with the Father each and every moment. The way that you and I connect with the Father, the way that we enter into this word, the way that we talk with him, Each day will determine the impact that you have on others. And if you don't have an impact on others, it probably starts right here. When I don't have that impact, when I don't hear, when I don't see, it's because I'm not in this Word, the Word of God, connected with the One who created me, who gives me that the power of Christ that lives in me through the power of the Holy Spirit that allows me to feel, taste, and see what's going on around me. It's so much easier to just be the zombie John and just go through life and go through my checklist and do what I'm supposed to do and do what I know what to do and just forget all those around me. But it's not Jesus. You own a business? It's not just about that business. It's about touching others in that business. You work somewhere. It's not about you working there, although you need to work there and get up. It. It's about you hearing the Lord, and when they touch your garments, you respond. That's what this walk is about. Not about coming here on Sunday, but keep coming. It's not about the tithes that we're asking you to give if this is your church, but keep giving. It's about others. And if any point I probably shouldn't say this any point, but I'm going to anyways, so I shouldn't have said I shouldn't say this because I knew I was going to say it anyways If you're not willing to get outside of your comfortable self, then this just isn't the right church. And I, it just isn't) I, there's part of me that I, I, I want you to feel uncomfortable because this word makes me feel uncomfortable every time I read it, because I have to die to who I am and what I want, and it's very uncomfortable dying to me. and presses me into him. But when I do, and I work, and I see the young man who is struggling with depression, Suicide. And and I can feel the tug. And I go, okay, let, let's talk. Let's have a cup of coffee. That's what being a pastor means. Not this. I love this. I love this church. But that's pastoring. Who's tugging at your garments? The nobodies, the unseen, the hurting, the lost, the fringe. Wife, your husband, your kids, your boyfriend, your girlfriend? Who, who's, who's tugging? Maybe they aren't tugging. If that's the case, there's no hope to start the fire. If they're not tugging, there's no hope that they see of Jesus in you to start the fire in them to come and want to pull on you. The fire comes through this word of God. Last couple, five, keep looking. Usually, you know, it says this, but, but Jesus kept looking around to see who, he had, who had done it, who had pulled upon him. Um, we've we've got to keep looking, just constantly looking. God, is that someone? That's why I got Taco Bell up there. That's why I have dry cleaners up there. That's why I have these practical places because I go into those places and I look and I see. I keep looking. Where are you looking? The, the answer's usually in front of you sitting right in front of you, and we see beyond and through them. Keep looking, and then where are you looking? Don't look past people. Don't look past the homeless. Don't look past the addicts. Don't look past, fill in the blank, whoever it is. And lastly, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Verse 35, it says this, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader and said, "Well, your daughter's dead." They said, "Why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter's dead, so tell Jesus; he doesn't need to come." And many of us, you know, we sit in these crowds and we're running around doing life, and the enemy speaks to us, and others speak to us. You don't need to do that. You don't need to take your time with them. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to do. You don't need to drink. You don't need to. You don't fill in the blank. Whatever, and we believe the lies. And when we believe the lies, we don't take the time. We don't stop what we're doing. Don't believe the lies. If you take the time, if you stop what you're doing, uh, you think about if I mess with them, I'm going to miss this. I'll miss my to-dos. But we know the end of the story. And it says this, verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. She was dead. Jesus resurrected her, taking her by the hand. The little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. First one was the woman with the blood. The second one was the little girl. And if you believe the lies, people's lives won't be resurrected. If you believe the lies that your to-do list is more important than what Jesus' to-do list and what he wants to do in others' lives, you'll skip right by people and you'll miss the opportunity to bring the hope of Jesus to them, that they might be resurrected spiritually and changed forever. And this young single mom opens the door and I send her a, a children's Bible and she starts reading it with her daughter and, and she's reading this children's Bible and it changes her life and then here comes Juliana who didn't like her at first and, and they start to build this relationship And she starts praying, Juliana, with this young woman and her daughter on FaceTime. And last week, she gets baptized. Are you kidding me? Who's tugging on your garments? Who's tugging on the garment? When we encounter Jesus daily through the word and prayer, we feel the tug of others We feel the other tug tug of others, and we still don't miss out on our to-dos. We still accomplish what God has called us to do. That's mind-blowing. In other words, there's still time to do all that you carry and feed the hungry. Encourage the sick. and Love the unloved. Minister to single moms and do unto others. Here's the key. It's the heard about. It's the hurt about him that ignited her faith. If she had never heard about him, she doesn't push through the crowd to touch the garment of Jesus. It's the hurt about that who's heard about you who's heard about you go be the church go be the church mark 16 and he said to them go into all the world proclaim the gospel to the whole creation you know what proclaiming the gospel is the tug comes and you respond the tug comes on your garment and you respond tug comes from your child you respond the tug comes from your wife you respond the tug comes from that person at work you respond that's being the church and that's who God has called us to be you are the church and when you walk out that back door be the church and let God use you in miraculous ways and watch what might happen you'll be blown away you'll be blown away Let's pray Father I thank you God there's just a, a weight to this message that 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 is beyond me there's 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 a, a weight and a responsibility that, that we carry but but the beauty of carrying it is that you really carry it but you work through us God, don't let us go through this life not feeling the tug on our garments. Oh, God, forgive us for ignoring the tugs. Oh, God, let us be the church. Let us respond to others. Let us bring hope. Let us bring the gospel to the lost. Because all the other stuff doesn't matter. God, forgive us for being bound up in stuff. Lord, I pray that the men and women in this church would be talked about. And the about would be Christ in them. The power of the Holy Spirit that resides in them. Lord, I send these men and women into this place called Costa Mesa. It's called Orange County. I say, go be the church. All that God has called you to is precious name.